Think back to 2009. The recession and all that came along with it took most of our attention. But what were our young people up to? In 2009, students protested against the reintroduction of university fees in Ireland. 16-year-old Owen O'Keefe set a new record for swimming the English Channel and the country was introduced to Jedward for the first time. Ten years from now, what kind of society will we have created for our young people to grow up in? And what will we have helped them achieve? Welcome to Ireland 2029, Shaping Our Future. We're partnering with Volkswagen to look at 10 big ideas that could shape Ireland's future for the better. In each episode, we'll talk to someone about a big idea to find out what it can achieve, whether it's practical or whether it's a non-runner. This week, we're looking at whether Ireland should put in place a compulsory volunteering programme for young people after they finish school. The year-long programme would see young people committing to a few hours each week to give something back to their communities. I'm your host, Michelle Hennessy, and this is Ireland 2029, Shaping Our Future, brought to you by Volkswagen. Fergus Finlay, former CEO of children's charity Bernardo's, knows how vital the work of volunteers is. And he has a good idea how government policies will impact on the country's young people. Here's what he thinks of this week's big idea. Compulsory, no. State-run, no. State-funded, yes. Imaginative, creative, incentivized. I'd be totally in favour of a national programme that said to young people, here's a range of really useful things that we think you'd have fun doing. Uh, that we think would work for you and that would certainly work for the community. We'd love you to get involved. Here's, here's how easy it is to get involved. And by the way, in terms of your own future, whatever it is you're aiming at, if it's an apprenticeship, if it's a place in college, if it's a place in third-level education, at the end of this volunteering programme, there'll be extra points added to your uh, CAO form. That's the kind of incentive that I think young people would go for. I'm joined in our studio by Andy Roberts, reporter at thejournal.ie and also producer of this episode. Hi, Andy. Hi, Michelle. How are you doing? Good. So this idea of a compulsory volunteering programme for young people, this isn't just a pie-in-the-sky idea. There are actually versions of it elsewhere, right? Well, that's right. Something like this has been in operation throughout history, but in a different type of way. Mostly based around military service that usually young people, when they were leaving school and, and mostly men, had to do. And countries still operate in that way. Austria, Finland, Turkey, Taiwan, they still have a compulsory military service that many young and now increasingly female young people have to complete. As did our neighbours in the UK, mostly due to the effects of World War II, um, which they ended up then scrapping in the early 1960s. Something like it, though, like a national service, has been called back, but with less emphasis on the military side of things. You have someone like British MP Rory Stewart, um, who was running for the Tory leadership at one point, he put forward an idea of a universal national citizen service, which is based on more volunteering aspects than militaristic. But it is something that actually the UK kind of already have in terms of the idea that he had. When David Cameron was Prime Minister, he developed something called the National Citizen Service, which is a voluntary program that is still running today. It's available to young people aged 15 to 17 years old. Its, its main aims are around social cohesion, social mobility and, and social engagement. And they do a mixture of things in the program. They go out and do outdoor team building exercises and have lessons on personal finance and even you know, on topics like photography for a couple of weeks in the summer. Then later in the year, they go out into the community to help and, and volunteer for different services or projects. It's a volunteer-based project, so it isn't something um, that is compulsory like Rory Stewart was suggesting. And France is almost considering something like this, um, and they are in the middle of trialling it out. 
They originally had a national military service for young men after they left school, but it was scrapped in the late 1990s. Current French President Emmanuel Macron wants to see 16-year-olds, both male and female, spend around four weeks away from their home region doing classes on first aid and map reading and and the like, you know, developing themselves. And then later in the year, they would take up volunteering positions for something like a local charity or local government. His initial idea, though, was based around posting them out to defensive or security positions. And despite a YouGov poll from 2018 suggesting that 60% of the French population were into that idea, the French army wasn't that keen. And also when young people were asked in that poll, that 60% went down to just below half. And we did have some discussion uh, about a similar idea during the Irish presidential election because one of the candidates, Gavin Duffy, had a proposal for a programme called the Irish International Youth Corps. What was that about? Well, the idea was that it would run for a year and would be available to Irish young people aged 18 to 25. It had an emphasis on working in the developing world and helping out with charities and programmes there. In the first term of it, you'd be undergoing training in Ireland and it would be a programme that we'd have to apply for. The second half of this one-year program would then be spent in the field working in these developing countries, whether that's building orphanages or being a part of education programs or sustainable enterprises. You would get paid as part of the program and travel costs would be covered and you would earn a recognised qualification at the the end of this one year of service. But obviously Gavin Duffy uh, did not become president, so that plan did not end up happening. Now, we do already have a structured programme in Ireland for young people to get involved with voluntary organisations and to develop some new skills, and that's Gashka, the President's Award. There are three awards, bronze, silver and gold, and people aged between 15 and 25 can go for them. We spoke to Avril Ryan, Operations Manager for Gashka, about how their programme works. So Gashka was uh, founded in 1985 by President Hillary during uh, the International Year of Youth. Um, so it's almost 35 years uh, old, so we'll be celebrating that next year. And it's a personal development programme for young people aged 15 to 25, I suppose, to reach their full potential, uh, challenge themselves. Um, and to do that, they do through a number of um, challenge areas. So they have a personal skill challenge, they have a physical recreation challenge, community involvement, which is the voluntary kind of side that we're going to talk about, um, an adventure journey challenge. And then when you reach gold, uh, you have a residential challenge and you build up your awards, I suppose, from bronze through silver to gold. um, And it takes a certain period of time. So, for example, your bronze will take a minimum of six months, your silver another six months, and then your gold is really the penultimate. It's like another 52. So people often and say actually achieving your gold Gashka award is equivalent to the time you'd put into a master's degree. So, you know, so there's quite a huge commitment for a young person to undertake and it's an amazing thing for them to achieve that. And they, uh, the voluntary aspect of it, do they pick that themselves or is there a list that they they pick from? Everything about the Gashka award is about the young person's choice. It's about them deciding what they want to do. Um, I mean, they get guidance uh, through their president award leader. So that's like a mentor, like the the role model in their lives, that that kind of adult who can kind of steer them and, and guide them through the through the award um, so yeah they choose what they want and and you know often they start out on one thing go actually I'd prefer to, to shift to something else so they really find themselves you know as they go through the award people find their their passion their joy um, in terms of giving back paying it forward and young people are hu- humongously brilliant at that like if you think about it over 377,000 young people have participated in Gashka since 1985 that's millions of hours of volunteering that young people have given, you know, over the course of those years, which is phenomenal. And and at the moment, we kind of estimate that this year alone, 
there'll be 200,000 hours of community involvement that young people will give back to the community. And they're getting so much out of it, but they're also getting a, a huge sense of belonging and, you know, th- their rights, their voice, all of those things are part of that. Because if you're part of the community or part of the decision making in a community, whether it's organising the local festival or you know, being a friend to the elderly, you're part of the, the you're part of the conversation. And it's really important for young people because you see so many times that particularly between that age of fifteen and eighteen, they're often a little bit isolated from the community. They're kind of, you know, they're not treated maybe with the respect that they deserve. And what about the idea of um potentially offering uh a some kind of payment for a young person to do it as well because it's it's something that ultimately is going to cost them at least transport costs, lunch mm-hmm. or whatever it is yeah, for that yeah. day. Do you think that's a good idea or would be necessary? I suppose it, it depends. I think if you're if you're in like cities, it's much easier to find volunteering opportunities that aren't going to cost you necessarily, like that they're on the doorstep. I don't think it's any harm providing, you know, general expenses, like, you know, whether it's, you know, making sure there are good facilities for having your lunch, all those sorts of things. You know, if you have to come a little bit further, like if it's outside the normal jumping a bus, I think those sorts of things are great incentives if organisations can afford them. So then what would be the barriers then? Because not every young person in the country is doing it. Yeah, I think some of the barriers are the, I suppose, if they're very rural, it sometimes can be difficult uh, for young people to find opportunities or even to finish their award because they're they're trying to look around. There's often barriers for volunteering for young people that are under 18 because they may want to get involved with something, but the organisation is either not equipped or doesn't doesn't have someone in place to supervise or they're worried that if they're under uh, 16, they can't be vetted. That, that's often an excuse. And obviously, if you're under 16, you don't need to be vetted, yeah. but you do need to have some supervision and support. So that shouldn't stop organisations from giving young people opportunities. The idea we're talking about this week is not something myself or Andy would have to do. And the majority of our listeners wouldn't be affected by it either, as we're all well past our teen years. We're conscious that we're adults talking about putting in place something that'll affect young people that they would have to do. So we wanted to get some young voices in on this. I went along recently to the Youth Work Changes Lives showcase in the Mansion House in Dublin, where more than 300 young people from all across the country were gathered. They were there to meet with TDs and senators to talk about the work they're doing in their communities. Here's what some of them had to say, starting with a group of scouts from Limerick. And do you do any kind of community work? Um, yeah, we actually do. There's plenty within our county. Um, we'd have different initiatives. We do a lot of pay it forward where like, we would do something for a stranger we'd meet on the street, for example, and then tell them to pass it on. Like today on the train on the way up, we covered the cost of a man's coffee and his donut, something simple on the way up, and we told him pass it on. Um, then there's lots of um, kind of stewarding for different events like Darkness Into Light we every single year we're there helping stewarding and various things like that so yeah we really do get stuck into it and help as much as we can yeah. I think it would be an amazing opportunity for all young people because myself coming up through Scouts through the ages I've always been involved with volunteering and youth work but I can see the differences between myself and my peers in school like we're more confident because even though you're not doing something for yourself it does touch within you and you become a better person because you know how to deal with either stressful situations, you know how to like think of something on the spot. Okay, can I grab you separately? Because you're involved in something different. I am, yeah. Different yeah so you're of Malta. Of Malta. How long yeah. have you been doing that? I've been doing this now for the past five years. And um, basically we're in, we provide first day cover for many events, such as the Novena, which I was covering the last weekend. 
and matches in the Gaelic crowns which was I was covering the Limerick and Clare match and I I feel the organisation's a value to the community as like as we also provide uh, like travel for elderly from nursing homes to churches and it has also helped me as as from my time in the organisation I've uh, found out that I'd like to become a paramedic in the future. And uh, who do you volunteer with? I volunteer in Family Base in Ballyferma. And what kind of work do you do there? So I work with uh, groups, so an arts group, which is an ASD group with autism. Um, also uh, junior arts, um, so music, arts, baking, uh, karaoke, all those uh, varieties. Um, I've been working there for the past four years, volunteering. Um, I got into volunteering as a young person, so I was in the service as a young person since 2014. And as for our big idea that we're, we're discussing in the podcast, the idea is uh, you'd finish school, so you'd come out of uh, secondary school, and your first year afterwards you'd have to do, so it'd be compulsory, you'd have to do maybe two to three hours a week volunteering in uh, some sort of, it could be a youth organisation, a charity, a community um, organisation. What do you think about that? It would be nice for them to do like after they leave school. It gives them more experience of what they want to do in the near future, like what they want to do in college. So if they work in something like the youth service, it gives them an idea. So it's instead of going into college for like three years and be like, oh, this is not my like field, you know, it just gives them a bit of an experience of what to do next and what they like and not like. What do you think of the idea of it being compulsory? Because I'm not sure a lot of young people would be into that. Compulsory, you'd want to give them the option. You really do need to get them the option because if it is uh, forced upon them, they're not going to enjoy it. You know, it, I wouldn't like it to be forced on me personally. I'd like to just be free flow, do what I want to do. There'll be always resistance, no matter with what you're trying to get people to do. There'll always be that at first. But if if they if they can get it introduced, um, they'll so slowly start to see an um, increase in people actually doing it. I think people being generous to their community, giving back to the community is a great idea. I think that personally everyone should try and help out their community as much as possible, big or small. It doesn't, happen, doesn't really matter if it's um, only picking up litter you see on the street or organising a community event. It's all uh, for a good cause. We also managed to grab Minister for Children and Youth Affairs Catherine Zappone at the event and got her thoughts on our big idea. Well, I think it's great if there's something that could be state-run to support volunteering. But I really think compulsory volunteering is, it's, a, it's a, an oxymoron. That's a big word. <laughs> I mean, so I don't think it should be imposed, but I believe so much in, uh, I suppose, the, how good it is for the body, mind and spirit in order to really engage in volunteering. And I want to find ways to support that. But, so maybe um, some kind of state uh, volunteer program, not compulsory, but correct. open up more opportunities. Exactly. You took the words out of my mouth. Okay. Thanks so much. Well, the response from the teens I spoke to was actually quite positive, though you have to bear in mind they're already involved in youth and community work. There are definitely mixed views on the compulsory aspect of it, and that's something that we spoke to Fergus Finlay, former CEO of Bernardus, about when he came to our newsroom this week. You heard from him earlier in the episode. He's all for young people volunteering, but he said forcing them to do it just won't work. If I could steal a line from Kevin Costner, if you build it, they will come. Um, there is no infrastructure at the moment for kids uh, to, to, to volunteer, for want of a better word. I, I'm not a great believer in 
making volunteering compulsory. It's a contradiction in terms, apart from anything else. You can't volunteer on a compulsory basis. But I am a huge believer um, in encouraging younger people particularly to look beyond themselves. I think the key to that is the fit, though. Um, there is no point in asking somebody, uh, you know, to be a tour guide in tall buildings if they're afraid of heights. There's no point in asking somebody to volunteer in a hospital if they faint at the sight of blood. Do you know, the, the fit is what's absolutely vital. And the infrastructure um, uh, for all that, none of that infrastructure exists. I actually think that if you built uh, a volunteering infrastructure, a real volunteering infrastructure in Ireland, that exists in a very small way and a very committed way, but nevertheless a very underfunded, very small way. If you built it, I think the the payback you'd get would be immense. But there is the potential for that uh, huge sense of personal achievement and and satisfaction out of volunteering as well, right? And also um, potentially job skills if we're talking about young people getting involved in it. I would never so much worry about the job skills. I'd worry, I'd, 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 I mean, I think there's huge value in the softer skills, um, I the confidence building that goes on, the ability to get on with other people, the ability to show empathy and the ability to be judged on your empathy. Um, I, I think those kind of things are really, really important. And I, I, I mean, I've interviewed an awful lot of people for jobs over the years, and I've often wondered why you don't see their volunteering on their CVs. Uh, and it's almost as if people are discouraged from saying, well, you know, I, I ran a summer camp for, 40, for four summers in a row for 22 um, kids with autism. Um, in the course of the interview, this, this is the sort of stuff that will start coming out. And you see people's faces light up and you see them beginning to talk about their experience and, and so on. And you realise there's a value here that you hadn't spotted just by reading the paper, the, the BA and their leaving search results, they tell you something, but they don't really add to your understanding of the quality of the person. But then we're talking about potentially a lot of money to make a programme like this successful. The, the, the question that always drives me nuts about these kind of things is how much is it all going to cost? Um, I, you know, I spent years pitching to the state for extra money for decent work, for good work that would make a difference. And every time you meet a public servant and you say, look, I need X to build this. And if we do it, it will transform these lives. He would always ask you the same question, always. How much is it going to cost? If I put it this way, the kid who's helping another group of kids to learn to swim is not the kid who's terrorizing his neighborhood. He's not the kid who's hanging around on street corners. He's not the kid who's setting fire, setting fires and, and, and you know, doing damage and terrorizing old people and so on. Um, the kid who's involved in his community is the kid who's going to grow up as a major contributor to, to his community. Um, and, and the, you know, the, the hard cash value of that. I mean, I worked for the last 15 years with kids who because of their circumstances, not because they were born this way, but because of the communities they grew up in, the dysfunctionalities in some of their families and so on, were almost certain to have their first brush with the law in their early teens. Um, part of our job with those kids was to ensure that they were so committed to their education that the brush with the law wasn't going to happen. Um, and that involved a lot of input from us to them and a lot of kind of toing and froing and, and so on. If you had a national programme that would enable you to say, actually, 
we don't need as many Garda diversion programs anymore. We don't need as uh, we don't need to be as worried about kids on the street at night uh, as 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 we used to because these are happy, fulfilled kids doing stuff, doing stuff that is adding value to the community. I'm back in studio now with Andy Roberts. After we've heard from experts in the area, from young people themselves and from the government, it's time to rate the big idea. We have our custom-made, one-of-a-kind, the journal.ie great 2029 forecasting machine to help us, if you wouldn't mind just firing it up there, Andy. Of course, Michelle. Yeah, just give me one second. I'll just, uh, yeah, and it is now on. So this machine takes in everything we've heard and spits out a verdict for us. Let's see what it says. All right, one second here. There's some noises. No steam. <laughs> oh, no, hopefully not yet. It's not burning down the office yet. And here we are. And great. Here we are, Michelle. Lovely. Thank you. So it says a compulsory state-run volunteer program for young people could work, but there are obstacles. And I mean, that seems about right. You're correct. And the biggest obstacle is the fact that it would have to be compulsory. I think uh, there's a lot of young people out there that would love a, a state-supported and state-funded program that would help develop themselves and, mm. and obviously help with community work. But it has to be a choice. I'm talking to the young people that you did. Um, it, it, even though some were obviously in favour of the wider scheme, I think the reason why they were doing the current volunteering or, or charity work that they're currently doing is because they chose to do it and they chose that particular organisation or they chose that particular group. And like Fergus was saying, um, and and even Avril, like finding the right fit is obviously very important for that. So I think um, having it be compulsory would almost be counterintuitive. I mean, that's it. I don't think that there was anyone we spoke to, and I'm not sure that you'd be able to find many people who think volunteering is a bad idea or that young people um, should get involved in that type of community or charity or volunteer work. Everybody think that, thinks that's a good idea and that it would benefit society, it would benefit young people more. Um, something that struck me talking to Avril Ryan from Gashka is that it probably uh, wouldn't take a new national program necessarily for something like this to work and to get more young people and to you know facilitate more young people doing it. Uh, she was talking about the particular challenges for rural charities and organisations and for rural young people as well, uh, that they have less choice when it comes to, to volunteering um, and that the charities themselves struggle to, to allow young people to do it because they don't have the staff needed to supervise them. Um, there are cost issues associated with that. And she was saying, you know, grants uh, for the organisations, maybe a small grant for a young person to cover transport and, and lunches and things like that might work. But of course, that costs money and it's probably not going to be a high priority for the government at the moment. And that's right. Cost is probably the biggest factor in seeing something like this even happening, even with the UK's National Citizen Service, which is a voluntary type of exercise and only runs for a few weeks in the summer every year. That That is millions, cost millions of taxpayers money in the UK to fund something like that. Um, so to see something even wider that would run for a year um, and that would be taking in factors like, you know, the rural community, which obviously there might not be as many elements out there or even getting people to travel here and there and covering those costs. It would it'd be something that be, um, you know, cost a lot of, of, to, to kind of make happen. But at the same time, you know, there is a lot of benefits in terms of the 
you know, instilling in the younger generations this sense of social cohesion, but also their own confidence and their abilities and what they want to do. I mean, these are people that are going to be the next leaders mm. of the world and especially people that might not come from an affluent background or might not have all the opportunities that someone like that would have. It is an, um, a way of being able to discover um, what people can really give back. I mean, there's no doubt that volunteering community work is something young people will always be involved in. And it really struck me speaking to some of the teenagers at the youth work event. They have this amazing passion and they're so motivated and they genuinely enjoy doing something to give back or to help people. And if they're the people in charge in 10 years time, I think the future is in safe hands. Thanks for listening to the third episode in this 10 part series, Ireland 2029. This episode is brought to you by producer and editor Andy Roberts, presenter Michelle Hennessy, series producer Orla Ryan and executive producer Christine Bowen. Thanks to Paula Lyon and to the contributors in this week's episode. Ireland 2029 is a podcast from the Journal.ie, supported by Volkswagen. It's time for electric cars for the people. Discover the future of electric mobility with the Volkswagen ID family at Volkswagen.ie.